Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the On Poly Podcast. I'm Steve Pakin. And I'm John Michael McGrath. We're on every weekday during this 43rd Ontario election campaign. Today on the pod, the Liberals pitch childcare in a midtown Toronto riding they want back. The NDP make a push to hold their seats in eastern Ontario. And Doug Ford went to the NDP leader's home turf in Hamilton today. It's Wednesday, May 18th, day 15 of the campaign, so let's get to it. Uh, Well, I am back in Toronto now, but I spent the day yesterday uh, tailing the Greens uh, up in Parry Sound, Muskoka. Uh, I'll have more to say about that in a bit, but uh, for now, I'll just say that uh, Huntsville is delightful, and it was really nice to get out of Toronto for a bit. I'm going to try and do that at least once more before the campaign wraps up. As much as we love Toronto, it is nice to leave the city every now and then, isn't it? Well, you know, if nothing else, you know, I I didn't want to say that I covered the 2022 election from my desk in East York, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Good call. Good call. Well, let's uh, look at what everybody did on the hustings today. Stephen Del Duca, the Liberal leader, was in a midtown Toronto riding. I'm very, very happy to be here in Eglinton Lawrence with Arlena and with Nathan uh, and with the kids that I've had the chance to chat with uh, just a moment ago. A little bit jealous that they get to go on the slide in the swings and, uh, and I'm up here. He was talking childcare in front of a very busy Toronto park. Uh, he's pitching a fully funded, expanded 18-month parental leave program, which would give families an extra $255 a week. And would you be so kind, Mr. McGrath, as to give us some of the background behind this new pledge? Uh, Right. If you uh, haven't had a a child in the last few years, uh, you may not know that uh, the current federal uh, employment insurance program uh, takes the same amount of money you would receive over a 12-month leave. That's an income replacement of, I believe it's 55%. um, And then it spreads it out over 18 months. So you you get a smaller check for longer. Uh, The Liberals are essentially proposing to uh, make the 18-month income uh, the same as the 12-month income. Come at, uh, expanding the amount of money that families would receive. Uh, they would top that up uh, out of provincial money. Their costing document estimated that that would cost the provincial treasury about $100 million annually uh, starting next year. Uh, and this, of course, comes on uh, the heels of other uh, liberal announcements, such as uh, $10 a day before and after school care. Uh, and they you know, obviously want to make changes to the federal-provincial agreement uh, for a $10 a day child. Childcare uh, that currently uh, is, is slated to stop at the uh, when a child reaches the age of six, the Liberals obviously would like to see that go a bit longer. I thought the location of this announcement was also significant, in as much as it was in the riding of Eglinton Lawrence in Midtown Toronto, which Robin Martin won for the Tories four years ago, but just by about 900 votes. And remember, it took an historic collapse by the Liberals for her to win that riding. So I think it's fair to say everybody is expecting this to be a very close contest. And that may be why, uh, at least in this case, at the all-candidates debate in that riding last night, uh, Robin Martin actually uh, showed up, uh, which uh, has not been the case for many uh, progressive conservative candidates in, in a great many ridings. Uh, a lot of them are just not showing up to the all-candidates debates. Uh, you know, we've discussed this before. There, it's a very classic sort of front-runners t- uh, tactic, you know, 
stay low, don't make waves. Uh, the campaign team is obviously afraid that uh, having 124 Tory candidates out there uh, in front of mics, in front of, you know, many of these debates are live streamed now. Uh, there, there's 123 chances for somebody to unnecessarily say something that could uh, hurt the campaign. Uh, and, you, you know, you can't keep the premier at least out of the spotlight forever. <laughs> well, if people do want to hear more about this, I've got a column up at the, uh, on the TVO website at tvo.org on how the Tories are really keeping their heads down in an unprecedented fashion and whether we think the voters are well served by that. Uh, shall I give you the spoiler alert here? I don't think so. But that's just me. Uh, I, I will uh, say that uh, one thing I did hear about in Perry Sound, Muskoka, uh, certainly the Greens were, were happy to, to, you know, throw a little bit of an elbow uh, in the direction of uh, Bracebridge Mayor Graydon Smith. He's the progressive conservative candidate in that riding. Very popular mayor, uh, but did not show up at the All Candidates debate uh, last week uh, that was held. And, uh, you know, that, that seems like an odd one to me because uh, Graydon Smith, pretty popular local mayor, expected to win the riding quite handily. And, you know, it's not his first time around the block. He knows how to speak in public. I, I would be surprised if he could actually get him or the party into that much trouble. So anyway, be that as it may. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I mean, this guy's a veteran of politics. He's in a riding that the Tories won more than 50% of the votes last time around. And, you know, they're playing peekaboo. Um, I don't uh, I don't see how that serves the voters of Perry Sound, Muskoka, but... Um, these decisions are obviously made by minds greater than mine. Anyway, Andrea Horvath, let's get on to her campaign. She was in Kingston and Ottawa touting her party's universal pharmacare program today. What it means is that your prescription drugs uh, can be paid for with your OHIP card instead of having to reach into your pocket uh, and pay through, uh, through your wallet. The NDP say if they're given a chance to implement their plan, it would save an average of $350 a year. Uh, drugs you take if you were exposed to HIV, take-home cancer drugs, birth control drugs would be completely covered under the NDP plan. These are policy. I mean, like the liberal announcement that we just covered, these are policies that the NDP have announced previously. And, uh, you know, I think the, the more notable thing about today's announcement was the geography of it, uh, in much the same way that uh, the liberals are, are uh, trying to uh, take a seat back in midtown Toronto. Uh, the NDP uh, are playing defense in uh, Kingston and the islands. Uh, that riding uh, was carried by uh, New Democrat Ian Arthur in the last election. He is not running again, and uh, this was a very safe liberal seat for long before 2018. Uh, the liberals very much want to take it back, and they have the former federal liberal MP Ted Su uh, running for them this year. Uh, and then you've got the riding of Ottawa Centre, where Joel Harden uh, won that seat, another traditionally safe liberal seat uh, represented by uh, Yasser Nakfi for many years provincially and now federally as well. Um, you know, it's fair to say at this point that if the liberals do as well as uh, current polls are suggesting, uh, you know, whether they do well enough to defeat Doug Ford or not, certainly uh, the NDP could lose those beachheads they have in eastern Ontario. And uh, clearly, Andrea Horvath is making a swing through the region to try and keep that from happening. I must say I'm a little confused by the recent polling I've seen because uh, all of the polls for the last many months have shown the PCs in first place, the Liberals in second place, but the NDP in third and close on their heels. And yet when they do the seat count conversion, right, and this takes a certain amount of, um, well, technical expertise to do this because uh, how the votes break, 
how the votes split very much determines how many seats you're going to get. You can't automatically say that 38% of the vote is a majority government because I remember in 1999, Dalton McGuinty got 40% of the vote and came second. So uh, it's hard to know how these numbers extrapolate, but in every poll I've seen lately, the Liberals come second, the New Democrats come third, but in a lot of the seat extrapolation, it's the NDP that is still in second place and the Liberals in third place. And I guess that's technically possible, but it would take a kind of, I guess, a perfect storm of, of malfeasance against the Liberals to have that happen. I don't know. Have you got any more insight on this than I do? Uh, I think what we are seeing is the traditional uh, liberal benefit from voter efficiency that they had in, in many election cycles where, you know, they would win a lot of seats narrowly and uh, really dominate the GTA and the Tories would win their seats in rural Ontario with, you know, huge lopsided majorities, um, but only win a relative handful of seats. I, I think we're seeing some of that uh, uh, liberal advantage erode because the Tories uh, under Doug Ford have done very well in the GTA. And so uh, seats where uh, the Liberals traditionally won relatively narrow victories, uh, but, you know, f for a, a, a substantial amount of time, for, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, those are not safe Liberal seats anymore. And so I think they're struggling to uh, convert a uh, relatively strong performance in the polls into the same seat count that they once did. Yeah, I mean, this has happened before. I remember in the 1975 election, the Liberals actually came second in the total vote count, but third in the seat count. So it's not you know, unprecedented for this to happen. But 1975, according to my calendar, was a very long time ago. So <laughs> it's it's unusual. All right, let's pick up the story with PC leader Doug Ford, who was in Hamilton today, standing in front of the DeFasco plant, or ArcelorMittal DeFasco, as it's technically called now, right in the heart of Andrea Horvath's Hamilton Center riding. And uh, I guess the, um, the PC leader was pitching something that has come to be known as clean steel. DeFasco here in Hamilton and Algoma in Sault Ste. Marie will be some of the first companies in the world to replace coal-fed ovens with electric arc furnaces powered by Made in Ontario Clean Energy. What's that all about? Right. This, uh, I find this topic really interesting. Uh, clean steel or green steel, as uh, various sources in the industry are calling it, is, uh, you know, when you make steel, you need lots of things, but uh, pr primarily iron ore and coal. And you need coal to do two jobs. It gets the iron ore very, very hot. And then some of uh, the, the steel is actually made up of carbon from coal as well. And what is happening in Ontario, both in uh, Hamilton and in Sault Ste. Marie, is that uh, steelmakers are uh, transitioning away from using coal uh, primarily as a source of heat, uh, and they are switching to uh, what are called electric arc furnaces. Uh, the long and short of it is that this is a way of uh, taking CO2 emissions out of the steelmaking process. Uh, at least over the long term, you could see them transition entirely to clean electricity. And uh, the Premier actually cited this in the debate on uh, Monday night, where he claimed it, it would remove a billion cars, or it was the equivalent of removing a billion cars from the roads. Uh, they acknowledged afterwards that he misspoke. It's more like a million cars. Um, I'm not going to belabor that point, except to say that a million cars is still a lot, and it's still actually a really uh, substantial environmental uh, policy. Uh, the province has, uh, let's say, benefited from some financial cooperation with the federal government, uh, but Doug Ford is uh, not 
campaigning on Justin Trudeau's behalf. He's selling his own party, of course. So, uh, you know, the, the PCs, and I think not unfairly, get uh, smacked about a bit for not having the most ambitious environmental uh, program. But this is one uh, legitimate accomplishment uh, that has happened under the uh, progressive conservatives. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think people need to go out of their way to credit uh, them for it. But I do think it is an interesting change that we're happening in the steel industry. Well, we, we, I don't think it's cynical to say that we should also note that uh, when they made the announcement uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, that's a riding the Conservatives held in the last House, uh, Ross Romano for the PC seeking re-election there. Uh, so uh, perhaps not terribly surprising that the uh, PC leader would come to Sault Ste. Marie with uh, tens of millions of dollars worth of subsidies for the steel industry there to keep Algoma going. And uh, similarly here, this is... Uh, Hamilton Center, Hamilton East Stony Creek, right next door. Uh, the Conservatives have a candidate in Neil Lumsden, who's a former Hamilton Tiger Cat, who is running in that riding uh, against not only a new NDP candidate, but the former NDP member in Paul Miller, uh, full disclosure, second cousin once removed to yours truly, uh, who's running as an independent, and uh, Jason Farr, a strong liberal candidate who's currently on city council as well. So while these moves may have the effect of helping the steel industry, they may also help the PC party's prospects at the same time. I don't think that's being overly cynical to point that out. <laughs> no, not at all. I would just add very quickly that, uh, you know, steel is one of these sectors that we uh, talk about in, uh, you know, or at least the, the climate policy people talk about hard to abate sectors, right? We're like, we've basically solved the, the electric car problem. We need to make electric cars cheaper and we need to get more of them out there. But that problem is more or less solved. We mostly know how to like heat homes and cool them with with clean electricity without using as much uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, but steel and concrete are two big sectors where uh, they produce a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, until very recently, uh, there was a lot of questions about like how quickly could you transition the steel industry to a, a cleaner uh, future. Uh, but both in Canada and, uh, you know, especially you see this in Europe as well, uh, a really, really fast movement. Uh, steel companies uh, really around the world making the, these kinds of uh, major investments to change uh, their course, in part because it's really good publicity for them. Uh, but of course, uh, that too might be just a little bit cynical on my part. <laughs> <laughs> well, the PCs were also happy to trumpet more private sector union endorsements today. They had two more, one from the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers Local Union 285, and another from the Ontario Pipe Trades Council. You know, Ford uh, was very uh, happy with these announcements. The the PC party generally has been uh, happy to uh, tout these union endorsements that they have received. Uh, he says, uh, Ford says rather, uh, that he is uh, getting these endorsements and the, the New Democrats and Liberals are not uh, because he says uh, the NDP stopped supporting workers years ago. I mean... This is, of course, campaign season, um, but it's it's worth exploring that, you know, you have these uh, private sector, uh, mostly construction unions that are supporting uh, the progressive conservatives. Uh, we've talked about this before. It's not surprising given the uh, really large sums of money that the progressive conservatives are proposing to spend on construction, roads, transit, hospitals, these kinds of things. Um, other uh, public sector unions are still uh, very much against the progressive Conservative Party, uh, in no small part because of uh, the government's Bill 124, which caps uh, public sector wages. Uh, it's also worth saying some of the very large private sector unions uh, still have not made uh, formal endorsements. They may not uh, make endorsements in this campaign at all. Um, it, 
But back to the public sector endorsements, of course, you know, OPSU uh, endorsed the NDP yesterday. Uh, first time that has happened. Uh, the Ontario Federation of Labor uh, also supports the NDP. So, uh, you know, very much a, a mixed bag in terms of uh, where union support is going uh, in this election. Here's another question for you, John Michael. How can you tell that we are getting closer to the end of this election campaign? Uh, because the attacks are getting sharper. <laughs> you got it, my friend. You got it. The campaign attacks are really ramping up these days. The NDP leveled allegations at the Liberals this morning that they, the Liberals, fraudulently signed up a last-minute candidate in the riding of Chatham-Kent-Leamington in southwestern Ontario. You'll remember they dropped their former candidate, Alec Mazurik, just under a week ago after the NDP revealed that Mazurik had used a homophobic slur multiple times on social media eight years ago when he was a teenager. So now we have new allegations, and what's that all about? Any candidate in an Ontario election uh, has to submit 25 signatures of electors living in the riding to support that candidate's nomination. Uh, for large established parties, this is not usually a very uh, large threshold to clear. The NDP are alleging that the Liberals used the signatures that they had previously collected on Missouri's behalf uh, to uh, complete the paperwork for their new candidate, Audrey Festeriga. And I know that Stephen Del Duca was asked about this at his news conference this morning in Midtown Toronto. How did he respond? Uh, as we've heard uh, Del Duca say uh, with more and more frequency these days, uh, you know, he called the the, the allegation uh, desperation tactics, uh, said he wouldn't engage in uh, what he referred to as a petty back and forth with the NDP. Well, uh, the Liberals had their own war room up and at them today as well because they fired some shots at the progressive conservatives. They referenced a report from a media organization called Press Progress describing how Will Boma, who is the PC candidate and former sitting member in the riding of Brantford Brant, helped lead a youth and education committee for the Free Reformed Churches of North America. And in that endeavor, a report he's associated with and the NDP say the committee condemns homosexuality and was promoting conversion therapy. Now, Will Boma and Sam Osterhoff, who is the PC candidate and former sitting member in Niagara West, are both backed by the Dutch Reformed Church. They are very social conservative members of the PC coalition. Uh, we should say their views are not illegal, to the best of our knowledge, but they are certainly what you'd call outside the mainstream of Ontario today. Uh, but there you go. Uh, Boma, for the record, uh, says his daughter is LGBT and that uh, he was not the author of the uh, impugned materials. And then at the campaign stop uh, earlier today in Hamilton, uh, PC leader Ford did say, you know, he continues to fully support uh, Boma and uh, will not be asking him to uh, resign or in any way step away from the campaign. And that's the On Poly podcast for day 15. A reminder, we're here every weekday during this 43rd general election campaign, right through to election day, June the 2nd. JMM, we'll see you on the hustings. I'll see you tomorrow, Steve. <laughs>